Hi, and welcome to Talkward. I'm Marty Dundix, Editor-in-Chief of Weekly Humorous Magazine, and this is Talkward, a fun little podcast where professionally funny people stop in and tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. You have to tell an awkward and cringeworthy story. I've got a couple. I'm very excited that my guest made it here, all the way from California. She came in just for this. I did. Thank you so much. <laughs> no. Courtney Kosak. Kosak, yeah, Kosak. you did it. Thank you. Um, and, and welcome. Thank you. You're a comedian, so- writer... Um, podcaster, podcaster uh, bikini model. No, uh, I'm hanging up. You're <laughs> I'm hanging, hanging up, up my bikini. No more, no more Instagram bikini modeling. <laughs> we'll see. TBD. Ah! <laughs> it's hard to let it go, you know. I wouldn't know what that's like to have like a photo of yourself and have p- everyone's like, "Oh, that's so wonderful." So like, people look at me and they, they see a good picture and they're like, um, "Oh, you, you look young in this photo." And I'm like, thanks. Like, that's the compliment that oh, I yeah. get. No, that's listen. what That's what looking good is to me. It's like, oh, you don't look 40. <laughs> I feel like actually the bikini thing is not advantageous to my career or whatever. So that's oh, really? the only reason I would Because you want to be up. taken more seriously or something. Yeah. Yeah. But you're in comedy, so it's not like you're being like a civil engineer. It doesn't matter. And also, I feel like... I don't want anyone, I don't want to be up for a job and have like someone's wife be like, nah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that has anything to do with uh, looking good in a bikini though. I think people, people might just look at how pretty you are. You have very nice eyes and they might be like, uh-uh. I just, I feel like the bikini pushes it to the center of the conversation and it doesn't need to be. It's unnecessary. Okay. Yeah. Is that what you're learning in your maturity? Yeah, I just have a hunch. Yeah, that maybe it's not helping. Okay, <laughs> you'll accept that. I'll answer. accept that. Sure. Yeah, you know. With uh, okay. How how does the boyfriend feel about this? The bikini. Uh, he's you know what, a huge benefit for our relationship has always been that he's like incredibly chill with all my decisions and this is fun because you um your podcast is reality bites yes with with a y reality bites with a y and this is a podcast that's about being single well i started it because i was a frustrated single person and then i met my boyfriend like a month later (laughs) and how long have you had the podcast going for like over two years yeah so but listen it's an interview-based podcast and we interview all kinds of different people that have a wide spectrum of life experiences mm-hmm. and sexualities and gender identities. And so, you know, we've evolved. To, <laughs> to be, so it's a lot more than just being single. It's a lot more than being single. And uh, one of my co-hosts, Dave Rankin, is our single man. So he's got you, a, had, you have just one endlessly always single person who gets to be on the show. He's normally single. Yeah. I mean, we would be very happy for him if you found someone. And also any of us could at any time become single yeah. again is there an ongoing effort to try to find him love yeah, uh, yeah we would love that <laughs> is the entire show just finding this guy a date we yeah i mean some he has a prospect right now that we're excited about has the show individual has the show actually found him any dates like 100 percent from the show no honestly again it's like probably like the bikini thing like it hurts him <laughs> more than it helps <laughs> you know like who wants to be talked about yeah it attracts the wrong kind of person that would want to be talked about it's true and also, 
yeah, there's a delay on when we release them. So like somebody could think that like, he's doing things with other people. Well, it's just it yeah. gets it's a little complicated. The bikinis could sponsor the show. I haven't had any offers. People have sweat. There are swimwear <laughs> companies out there. If you're listening, we do a lot of sex toys. That, do you? That fits. Um, there was a sex. I'm in a, a WeWork at 110 Wall Street downtown. That's where the Weekly Humorous headquarters are. And there was a sex toy, uh, sex toy company in the building. I don't know if they're here anymore. What are um, they called? They produced a, a, something called the Satisfier. Oh, I don't even know I think what it's a brand vibrator. that is. There's a male and a female version of this. I, I met them at like a mixer. They're very nice people. They do very well. And they sell their, um, they're the number one selling product in Babeland stores, which is like a oh, ma- wow. pretty mainstream yeah. sex shop. It's next, it's it's in Park Slope. There's, I'm in, in Brooklyn and there's one like next door to my coffee shop. There's a Babeland. It's a very classy joint. Yeah. No, very listen, upstairs. I love sex toy establishments. Yeah. There you go. So your show is sponsored by sex toy places. Uh, frequently, yeah. Frequently, I mean, we have other sponsors. HelloFresh has been a sponsor. I don't, I'm not just going to plug our. Sp- you other can. Sponsors. I mean, I'm, I have one sponsor. <laughs> it's a alcohol delivery app called Swill. Go to getswill.com. Use code funny five for five dollars off mm. your first order. It's uh, they let you price compare uh, liquor stores in your area for if you like have a bottle of Chardonnay you really like. It'll show you all the places that have it and what they're charging. Oh, you know. It's like a coupon circular Kinda. that does all the work for you. And this is like a white wine we have on tap that you're enjoying here in a big glass. Yeah, I'm not. Is it okay? It's okay. Is it room temp? It's it's room temp. <laughs> I'm also Oops. not trying to enjoy too much because last, I so I, this is our second time meeting in mm-hmm. person. And the first time we met in person uh, was when you were in LA. Yeah. And I... I am a lightweight. I get drunk very quickly. And I think I only had three drinks you total that drunk, night. You were You were just like, hello. I've been, I, I've had a couple of margaritas. Like, you were very upfront. <laughs> like, you weren't trying to hide it. You were just, like, giggling and smiling. You're like, hello, I've been here with another, like, I had another writing meeting with my writing partner. So, I've had some margaritas. So, hello. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and you weren't drinking at all. So. I wasn't drinking at all, but I was with another cartoonist who I had met earlier, Ivan Ellers, and he had been drinking at a couple of bars that he was showing me in, in Hollywood. And so, but I was, and I, I sat between the two of you at the bar, and it was hilariously fun. And I'm a, glad you had a good time. I have the one, next day I was like, we tried, oh, shit. Oh, no. It was great. <laughs> and then we took some, we tried taking selfies, but you were so funny because you're like, I do not approve of that. Kept, oh, I deleted them. You kept on deleting them from the phone. I think we have two that did not get deleted, but I never put them anywhere Please because you don't. were very, you were very adamant. Even though, I mean, like, you look great. You're just smiling and no, look normal. Here's the Ivan thing. looks crazy. I look crazy. So I just started doing stand up, right? I told you this. Did yeah, you, you had just started. So I just started. So now like, I've like... You've done it like one time, I think. Yeah. So October. now I've done like one show and okay. some mics. But anyway, I ha- one of my bits is about how I'm like... I mean, I start... I have like an earlier thing where I'm like, I'm 35, but I have the modeling aspirations of a 15-year-old. <laughs> and then... Which is sad and true. Um, and anyway, I later I come back to it and I'm like... I'm not even photogenic. Like, that. I say that my Instagram feed looks like just Temple Grandin. <laughs> you, but you are photogenic. No, I'm not. What are you talking about? No, like, those pictures. If, if you look at me, like, in real life, people will be like, oh, my God, you look like Jennifer Aniston or, like, Olivia Wilde or something. And then when you look at a picture of me, it's seriously, like... You're, like, one of those beautiful people that says that they're not pretty enough. What? Okay. Oh, Courtney. 
I Are you kidding me? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm throwing some truth at you, Courtney. <laughs> so, wait, cringeworthy stories? Is yeah. that what we're doing here? Yeah. Um, you have a cringeworthy story? Should I just hop in? Sure. I'm, I well, did. how's stand-up going? I mean, that's a tough transition. Uh, going from comedy writing to, to stand-up, that's a big, it's well, a big jump. Yeah, but I'm not like... I gotta get my HBO special. You know what I mean? It's but there's a like, process. Like you're, you know, what's your angle? Like, uh, who are you on stage? Like, you have to kind of, you kind of figure that out. Actually, why I'm excited that I'm started now versus earlier in my life is that I feel like earlier I would have felt like I needed to be somebody else or like put on more of a facade. Yeah. And now I like know myself enough. Or I don't know exactly what it is. There's some like maturity that mm-hmm. I'm able to probably be the closest version of myself on stage, and I've like come to terms with all my you've not been, all my you've weaknesses. You've been knocked down enough, but yeah, yeah, like I know I know what's funny in like the modeling thing's funny because it's straight up delusional, right? And like I'm aware, <laughs> I'm aware of that delusion. Um, but yeah, it's going good. I my show went well. I I even sent so one of my ex boyfriends is a stand up and I mm-hmm. I think I sent the video to him and I was like so feedback yeah and he was actually like super nice about it and it's not in his personality so I feel like it's going okay good how uh, how how long of a set did you do uh, I did like seven or eight minutes did it feel like an hour when you were doing it like was it, it was endlessly? so fun yeah the thing is. Yeah, it's so fun. And I... It's like a drug. People get addicted to it. Oh, for sure. I yeah. see how that happens. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. No, I just had a blast doing it. I wished I would have known, like... I, I So I was an actress first, and... Is that how you be, be, became the L.A. person? Did you move? Because you lived in Minnesota? Yes. I so. grew up in Minnesota. I... Went to college in Missouri. I graduated early, uh, which was a big mistake because I was not fully cooked. <laughs> <laughs> I was not ready to like be out in the real world, but I totally thought I was. Um, and so, yeah, I was like 20 or 21 when I graduated. Mm-hmm. And then I flitted around a bit. I did a couple independent films. I cool. Sold- like dramatic? Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever they were. One was like an apocalypse film. Nice. And one was like about lifeguards on a beach. Sounds good. Nobody needs to see any of those. Like, uh, ba- like Baywatch, but at a uh, community pool. Yeah. No, <laughs> at, at like, yeah, on Chicago's North Beach. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Shore then Watch. Riff Raff. Is Riff what it Raff. <laughs> I like it. Is it actually, it's called Riff Raff? Yeah, yeah. Is it on Amazon? Can I watch it on Prime? Dude, please. Is it on nobody, Netflix? Everybody it's like look at my it. picture. Just delete it. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I did that. I sold T-shirts on the Girls Gone Wild tour because I moved out to LA. Okay. And I was like, didn't. This is what I'm saying. So not you fully were. Cooked. So you weren't in the Girls Gone Wild video. No. You were just someone selling T-shirts. So yeah, one of the jobs that I had got gotten in college was. Uh, it's called promotional modeling. It's yes. No, you know what this is. It's sure. giving out free shit, basically. Yeah. Oh, and they yeah, want they you to be everywhere. like you... s- semi-attractive. It's really not a high standard. Yeah. Um, so I was doing some of that. And then I saw this Craigslist ad for a merch girl. Mm-hmm. And 
I moved to LA like a total dumbass. Like not like I had some like idea of LA in my head. That's which- I mean th- I found that so nice when I was out there when we met. I like the because I've been in New York for. 16 years, 17 years. And when you go, I mean, this is a hard-boiled town and everyone's so jaded and mean and and it's like dirty and grimy and cold and the weather. Anyway, but you go to LA and it's like, it's a town of dreamers. And maybe their dreams have been destroyed, but like 90% of the people are there are just like so hopeful. Everyone's so hopeful. (laughs) Everybody wants to do this cool, creative, awesome thing. And like, they're just doing this part-time job till they make it. and, And, but everyone's like that. And there's this kind of vibe, just like this feeling of just like, I don't know. This this like effervescence of hope and and creativity that kind of is is permeating from the from the town. It's nice. I like it. That's good. You know? It's a vibe. It is a vibe. I mean, it's full of failure, too. It is full of failure. So you sort of have to have that starry eye. Yeah. Stupid. So you moved out there with that stereotype. Stupid. I moved out there. Yeah, I had like no, and also my parents are teachers, and they were like not ever. You know, it's like they didn't fucking know yeah. what was out gonna find me in L.A. They like knew they should be scared of it, but like they didn't know exactly. They couldn't help me prepare. Yeah. You know. Are you an only child? No, I'm the oldest. You're I, the oldest. That's interesting. I really? feel like someone, someone being starry eyed and, and just going for it would be like the youngest. Yes. How many? How many? Are you I have the three younger are? brothers. Oh, okay, so you're the only girl. Three I'm the only guys. girl, okay. and um, yeah, I mean, definitely, like, like I always wanted to do it, and my parents telling me I couldn't, like, was no. But have you always been funny? I think so. I also like some of comedy, like s- most smart people or most funny people are just pretty smart. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you have to know about a lot, a lot about something to make fun of it. Yeah, know? and like to come at it in an, like an intelligent with yeah. an intelligent angle. Um, I feel like I've always been uh, smart, and my dad had a, a great sense of humor. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, that's how I grew up. I grew up in a kind of a very funny household. My mom's very funny. My dad was very funny, but like very dry sense of humor. So we always had kind of like one liners or zingers that he would just deliver completely just you know, emotionless and but they would be hilarious and and I like he wasn't like a ham. Like I I can be kind of a ham, but sure. he was like a real like subtle, a what? like an Archie Bunker? No, I just more just like he had a real dry sense of humor. Uh. So I thought that was really funny. So he was kind of, you know he had kind of a Steve Martin Letterman esque kind uh. of kind of edge to him. But I grew up watching like old S N L or Blues Brothers or Animal House like oh, as a cool. young child. And, yeah. You know. My dad wasn't actually funny like he is now he's funny as like a character you know mm-hmm. like my boyfriend finds him like very funny and endearing but um he had a great sense of humor like he thinks the like we share that we think the th- same like human flaws are funny mm-hmm. i mean right because we're like all our own worst enemy and like that's hilarious yeah <laughs> And that's really so. I feel like that, uh, yeah, definitely like fine tuned my sense of humor. I think that like uh, the the things I always find the funniest are the things where um, someone someone's trying their best, but everything is always falling apart. Yeah, you know, I'm I, and we're like you know, I think sla- physical comedy and slapstick's always funny, but it's always when someone's like really trying, but this like things are always just completely fucked up. I find that always very funny. Yeah, when the forces are all yeah. totally battling you this poor schmo 
He's just know. trying his best. I know, yeah. And it's De- just like the world is always falling apart For around him. For sure. But he always is trying. Like, he doesn't let it get to him. He's like, ah, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I think that's fun. So you moved to LA. You were a, a promotional model, a merch girl. Yeah, ill-equipped. So I got this job uh, pretty quickly because I was staying with a friend, um, probably wearing out my welcome on her couch. Um, so I got this job selling t-shirts on the Girls Gone Wild tour. I lasted maybe like six weeks. It was horrible. Like it was truly in a way, I'm not being funny. Like it was, it shook my worldview in this really deep way that took me probably a year, a solid year and a half to shake off afterward. But, and also knowing you just from your comedy, like you're a, uh, like a feminist comedy writer, uh, from the stuff that I've you know, you're very passionate satire with like that edge. So knowing that you were exposed to this absolute, you know, horrible job of, of these, you know, the most misogynistic possible. Oh my God, dude, we would go. I was, so I was the only girl on the tour and we would go out to, I, it was in Canada. So I like mm-hmm. met up with them in like Vancouver or whatever the fuck. And what kind of a tour was it? What kind they of They had a bus. They had a big bus with like a, you know, half naked girl on the on the bus and so we were just super discreet Um, (laughs) and then were they were they filming random girls flashing they would were they bringing talent that was oh hell no okay their whole thing was that they didn't want to pay for any right so they would just talent they would just like basically go to small towns and like book a an event it'd be like girls gone wilds coming into the biggest bar in town and then these talk about starry-eyed idiots these girls would be like yeah this is the i don't know think it was some i'm gonna get a t-shirt for doing this yeah or there was like some famous so there's something there was something else it's every father's worst nightmare oh yeah they would say stuff they would have the girls be like hi dad oh god that would break my heart that wasn't even like the girl meeting the girls was rough and just knowing like only I don't think I only knew of like one girl that got paid and that's because she was like a hustler and she did some serious shit. Mm. Um, she was like a stripper, you know, somebody yeah. that like knew that like, OK, at least need to get paid for this. So you lasted on that job for six weeks, six weeks. Oh, wait, I got to tell you this. This okay. is the worst part uh, for me is that it would be all these guys and they were like incentivized by they would get paid extra if they could film scenes, right? Mm. So they were always, like, trying... Scenes were, let's, for example, a girl eating out her best friend or whatever. That's a scene. <laughs> so, but... In- I was I was expecting, <laughs> like, a girl kissing another girl. That's what I was... I was like, oh, she's about to say That'd girls kissing. Like, that might be a low-key scene, but really <laughs> what they wanted was the other thing. Oh, I didn't realize it was that pornographic. I think that's like the maximum pornographic that it yeah. got, but like that's that's, porn- that's that's dirty. That's sure. Yeah. So that's that was their bread and butter, though. Um. So these guys would be constantly. Sc- oh, and they had very strict standards about what these girls needed to look like, which is it's just so entitled. Yeah. Um. So we would be having lunch every time we had lunch. It would be me and these like five other guys who were just like in money making guy mode yeah. they were like 
maybe would have been crass even if there it wasn't their job but their or their job was to like point out was to rate girls essentially yeah. so they would rate every every female that we came into contact with which just made me feel like oh i am essentially uh my looks or i don't know i i just didn't the whole thing was so fucked up yeah and then i mean they're not in business anymore i don't think i think they yeah got... no i know it was so shady. It took a while, though. It took t- way too long. Yeah. And he, Joe Francis, ran the whole thing on his, like, Black American Express card. It was just, like, everything was... Yeah. Eh. Anyway, that's cringeworthy, right? That's very cringeworthy. I'm cringing <laughs> a lot from that. That's a bad environment. That's poisonous environment it for you to be so in. It was so toxic. And how old were you? 21? I think I turned 21. Yeah, I was, like, 20 or 21. Yeah so horrible so then i couldn't go back to la afterwards because it's like why uh well my couch situation had sort of changed i probably could have made it work but i like didn't want to Mm. you know what i mean it was like i felt just like disgusting like how would i even land back and figure my shit out so anyway so where'd you go home i uh went back to chicago for a second and then i stayed in uh missouri for legit like six months like i'm telling you like i had to like hibernate yeah and, like really i worked at a dry cleaners that's like a that's like a traumatic experience working for a a company like that like oh my god it and like i didn't know you know my parents are teachers and obviously like did they know what you were doing I think Did you tell so. them? I think so. I'm sure they weren't happy. I mean, my par- my poor parents at that stage. Yeah, I'm sure they were super bummed out. But no, they knew. They knew I was in Canada. They knew about the yeah. whole thing. Okay. Um, but and I also felt like I couldn't go home because I'd just been like. It's like you ran off and joined. Like, it was the like circus. I was like mind fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It was or mind raped. It was yeah. just like totally gross. Yeah. So yeah, I I had to put myself back together, and then I finally was like, okay, I can move to the Twin Cities, um, and I lived there for like six more months or something, or maybe a whole year, and then I finally moved back to LA, and that's when I stayed for good. Good. Yeah. You were back and better. Back and better. You were healed. At like twenty three. Yeah. And then you started doing writing. No. So then, I, so I moved out to act. I still wanted to act at that point. Like dramatic stuff. Um. Did you have headshots? I definitely had headshots. I would say, yeah, I was probably a better dramatic actress. Did you have the headshots where it's like, here's me like this. Here's me with glasses. Here's me serious. Yeah. Here's me happy. I never had, like, great headshots, in my opinion. Mm. Like, and and they didn't work that that well i mean i didn't it was not like i booked an amazing thing off of any of those headshots did you do like commercials um i no i went on a few commercial auditions oh my god talk uh, this is hilarious so i hadn't gotten any commercial auditions for a long time but i was i had a commercial agent and she finally sent me out for (laughs) this thing that was like we want it was a car I can't remember what car company, but they were doing this ad and they were like, okay, this is like a mob vibe. I don't know why I got called in. I think I, I think I had like had an aggressive jawline picture or something, Okay, but they were like, okay, so these are like mob characters. So I, (laughs) I didn't know like 
Okay, what does it look like if I am a mob person? You have to, all of a sudden you have to be like, like kind of jerseyed up a little bit, like big yeah, bangly I, earrings. And I should have maybe like been like a mobster's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. But I didn't do that. I just straight up did like Joe Pesci. <laughs> so you thought I'll be a mobster and not like a mob wife. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't like, how do I fit into this <laughs> equation? I You're like, just... obviously I'm going to be Joe Pesci. <laughs> That's how I fit into this equation. Oh, my God. You're talking to me. Yeah, basically. Nice. They were probably like, what the hell is going on? It's like, they're like, does she think she's the mobster in this equation? Listen, it's not like, yeah, they didn't ask for a mobster's girlfriend. It was, it was. And what kind of car commercial are we, are we doing here? I don't, I think. It, are they I, talking about like what a great amount of trunk space there is in this Toyota Camry for bodies? I think ultimately it was like kind of heist, okay, a heist type vibe with like f- four mobsters in a minivan. Okay, so it's kind of like Get Shorty ish. Yeah. All right. Mm. It's a good getaway car. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's just so bad. Leave the cannoli in the trunk. There's plenty of space. <laughs> I was like me in a tank top talking like Joe Pesci. Callback? No? No? Okay. Come on. <laughs> oh, well. So, yeah. Um, when I transitioned out of acting, I was like doing classical theater, which LA is not a town for that, but yeah. I was doing classical theater um, and realized like, oh, I should write for myself right? Like that would be a way that I could do more things or get more part. I don't know. I thought like, I thought of it like a means to an end. And then I started doing it and I was like, oh, this is the thing. This is like totally the thing and loved it. And I should have known sooner because like I liked to write as a kid. And like when I was in my BFA program, I loved the assignments where they would be like, I took this like directing course and they'd be like, okay, so like blow out this world and, you know, yeah, basically write a treatment for it. And I fucking love that stuff. So yeah. I don't know why it, it took me, you know, some of us are slow. I mean, you have to kind of figure out what you're good at and what you're passionate at. And what's- yeah. So my writing partner's husband like knew when he was like nine or what, you know, whatever. Yeah. And like started interning at production companies and then like you know did a short or did a feature length film like while he was in college and like then start so for him to to look at someone like that where their like trajectory is like way smarter and like I, i don't know more planned and then to like look at his experience versus like hers and mine it's like feasible goals where you're saying i have a plan of attack and they're not hinging on if this person thinks I can be on a billboard or or be on camera. Yeah, and it's on also like, a like sitcom, he you know? started working towards this thing when he was like, like I said, nine versus like twenty seven yeah. or twenty eight. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you're way further along. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I had, I had no idea what I was going to do. I just kind of kept on doing uh, creative, funny things. When did you get into? 
I went to, I was always, I did art. I did art growing up and I was always into comedy and I was always into filming little skits with a video camera in the basement. Like my, my dad had a video camera and I'd get to go and play with it. So all like middle school and high school, I would like write sketches and get my friends to be in these fun comedy sketches. They were kind of very SNL-y. And then I would, I was really into editing and like figuring out how to do like graphics and stuff so i had all this like I, I i like hacked together this whole like production studio of old vhs like old uh, uh videotape recorders and like multiple screens and i had like a reel-to-reel for audio and i was like cutting and splicing and it was really uh lame and silly and it was fun and um and then i went to college for art i went to syracuse for art but then i ended up doing uh radio on the side for fun and then when I oh, came to and me, look at you now! I know. And then everyone starts like, everyone starts doing podcasting, and I'm like, yeah, I know how to do that. That's like, come on. That's like junior high stuff. Yeah, I mean, I worked in like comedy uh, morning show radio. Like um, all my internships, I worked at little radio stations, oldie radio stations in Baltimore. Yeah. Good time oldies, one hundred five point seven WQSR, Rouse and Company in the morning. Good time oldies all day. Love it. It was great. So I did that. And radio then- is still and radio is still alive. People love radio. It's never going away. Total. So that's why I'm in New York. For uh, radio? Oh, yeah. You're in New of, York for like a radio podcast thing. Uh, yeah. I'm doing Air Media has, uh, it's called the Full Spectrum Intensive. Mm-hmm. And it's like a week-long program. Oh, my God. Some of my classmates are like so accomplished. It's crazy. But it's like the instructors work on like some of the biggest podcasts or like you know produce shows on gimlet or like the daily or Mm -hmm. whatever so it's super valuable uh information that's practical like they're definitely working um and then yeah the whole goal for me is what i love about podcasting and radio and a lot of times they're one and the same yeah i mean podcasting is pretty much just like on-demand radio now right and so many of the shows you like so many npr shows Mm -hmm. you listen to them as podcasts podcasts and also on the air yeah they produce them they get real popular and then they're they start running them at like three o'clock on a sunday yeah it'll be syndicate yeah yeah Yeah, i love that it's so cool and so yeah i'm a writer i do scripted comedy and for me to not need a green light from like a big production company to make something that has like really interesting storytelling is so cool. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's great. You don't need like a big you don't need a big gatekeeper to tell you that you can and can't do something that people can appreciate and listen to. Like you, as long as you have a minimal amount of equipment and you have a passion for it, you can put it up. Like Yeah. And yeah. you should like if you know those are the people like the and, the and the cream rises to the top. So the good stuff people listen to, and you know, there's tons and tons of podcasts out there, and there's tons and tons of you know YouTube channels. And it's and- also just like another way to cut your teeth. I mean, it's an end for me too. I've realized like it's another thing that I'm like similarly passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like all the time that I spend working on narrative arcs for podcasting or radio or whatever is like also helps me as a storyteller doing scripted stuff. So when you were working, you're working as a writer on Danger and Eggs yeah. on Amazon, um, which was a highly uh, accomplished and, and... A.D. Bryant did the voice of uh, the 
the little stunt girl, mm-hmm. and she has a talking egg friend. Uh, the stunt girl's name is Dee Dee Danger, um, and the world is so fun. That show is wild, and they did really cool uh, progressive stuff. Like mm-hmm. there was like an episode that was like pride themed (laughs) and like you know so they did they did it was a really cool show to work on and it was highly acclaimed yeah no it won uh, won an emmy there was all these awards for it and it was always like a kid it was a kid show that was more for also adults so it was like one of those shows that parents could actually appreciate which is important to find because a lot of the shows that like my niece and nephew watch are just absolute garbage but then some of the stuff i love because i notice it's really well written like some of the Lego Batman stuff is hilarious. Yeah. I think the show, I mean, and I didn't, it's like we wrote two episodes, so it's not even like I'm talking about myself really, but the show is like so funny in a real way mm-hmm. to all ages, I think. But then they didn't renew it or it got renewed or it got canceled. Yeah, I don't know exactly. No, it didn't get renewed, I don't think, it's as far canceled. as I know. Um, but they could always renew it. They could... Yeah, I don't know what Amazon's like rubric is yeah. right now. To me, it was a success, but I don't. I, then you look at Netflix, and all they do is just throw money and seasons at some of these kid shows. Or just like, yeah, we'll, we'll take five. Seasons. You know, my hunch is that, and this is totally not. This is just my personal hunch. So, take it for what it is. But uh, there was like a bunch of sexual harassment firings around that time, and one oh. of the people that got fired was the head of programming at amazon so probably didn't help right didn't help yeah no anyway anyway maybe it'll come back one day but that was how how was that working on a show like that uh it was it was you have dope. a writing partner i have a writing yeah i do uh most of the scripted like tv and uh like we wrote a commercial for the election and all that kind of stuff with uh my writing partner sophia alexandra who's a hilarious stand-up comedian and my best friend, um, and she also is a co-host of Reality Bites. Um, but yeah, we met at an I.O. West class like five, six, no, seven or eight years ago. I think eight years ago. Mm. Um, and finding a good writing partner is like, I mean, I would I would just write by myself if I w- wouldn't have found like the one. I yeah. feel like it is like finding someone that you can marry. Like it's so hard. Because they have to get you. They have to understand. You have your, to get each other. Yeah. You have to be like the same level of driven or mm-hmm. you'll drive each other crazy. Um, yeah, our Venn diagram of like what we think is funny is like kind of beautiful. Um, yeah, I love working with her. So. And do you have other projects you guys are working on together? Uh, yeah, we have a pilot that we're like, oh, God, we just need... We just need like three days <laughs> uninterrupted to finish. Um, yeah, we always have stuff we're working on. And we're doing a really exciting thing with Reality Bites. I don't know how much I should say about this. Uh, but basically, we're going international next year. Ooh. Right? How so? Are you going to take the show on the road? We sort of, yeah, and we're gonna tell stories about love and sexuality and intimacy from around the world. So, like, our first trip is to Helsinki. Uh, we're just gonna interview some really dope people over there, and like, they have some kind of interesting things going on. Like, um, I'm sure we'll find even more 
angles, but one of the, one of the things that struck us right away is uh, so f- it's a, it's like one of it's like the happiest country, you know, when they release those polls. Yeah. And it's a dope place to live. Like if you're a woman, you get like a year off when you have a baby. I think I think both partners get like an, an extremely large leave. Um, and the government gives you this, this like starter kit. You oh, know? cool. Yeah. And everyone's just really well taken care of. It's like so women don't want to leave, but they're the Finnish men aren't like quite up to their st- standards like they don't not as many of them graduate college and like you know just like there aren't enough so the eligible men have it easy they have nothing but accomplished women to pick from and then well the finished women have to like lower the standards or leave the country and import men there's another option marty What's that? and that is to import yeah. better men you're going to import them so that's what we're finding happens sometimes. It's like a Russian bride situation, but like for just like just higher like, educated yeah. dudes. Come here, sexy Spanish man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and how do they import them? Do they go on like vacations to find men? Um. Okay. So I don't know. TBD. We'll, well. I guess we'll uncover That'd be that. Interesting. So one of the um, couples that we've identified is. I uh, should be on the lookout for some ladies from Helsinki looking to settle down and take me home with them. Do you want to live in Helsinki? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> What's it like? It sounds great. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. I was just like, Marty, you can't leave this. I can't leave all of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think sometimes they will go study somewhere or whatever and bring the guy back. I think okay. it's probably a very individual thing. Meet some. They're just, I think, more open to, mm-hmm. oh, I meet somebody somewhere else. Maybe I'll bring him back. Sure. That sounds like a plan. Have you been there before? No, it'll be my first time. And we're going in the winter, so it's like there's like five hours of daylight. Oh, that's interesting. And they have like a major sauna culture. The only thing I think about, yeah, saunas and the Helsinki formula. Isn't that the famous thing, the Helsinki formula? And that was some sort of a thing. Was what that a skin that? thing? The hell, It was a famous thing. Are you saying formula? Formula. The Helsinki formula was something. I think it was in like the 80s. I'm gonna f- I need to figure this out. Some intense Googling happening. But my thumbs are very... The Helsinki... It was a shampoo. Maybe it was about... A, I think it was about hair loss. Yes. They were, they were like the authority on like men, oh. on male pattern baldness stuff all during, yeah, the 80s. The Helsinki formula. That's right. It was this, this number one... It was like this huge commercial what campaign. What happened? I don't know. It was, it was like a commercial. It was like a 1986 commercial... For the Helsinki formula, and it, they had like all the answers that to male to male baldness, and it's still big. Yeah, still a huge thing. Interesting. It's nothing. It's just like you know, pret or prel. Uh, hair club for men. Yeah, it's like the hair club for men. The Helsinki formula, but they have a lot of like saunas, and they have like the things with the mud. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to do some bathhouse stuff yeah. while we're there. They have a they have a really popular bathhouse. I mean, it's not big, but it's one of the oldest. It's the, I think it's one of the oldest bathhouses in like I want to say in like the, in North America, but I'm probably wrong. Definitely New York City. It's like eighteen something or seventeen mm. something. No, Where 17. is it? What is it called? It's in the Lower East Side. It's called the Russian and Turkish Bathhouse, and they have guys that will like beat you with these big branches, and they have all these different heat rooms, and you go in, and it's so hot. 
and uh, they have an ice cool an ice bath like an ice pool uh-huh. that you go in between the different rooms there's a radiant heat there's a steam heat and there's like um it's, you go into this one and it's, i think it's the radiant heat room and you go in and it's like an oven like it's like stone walls and it's so hot and you go in and it's like you're it's like your face is like in a oven and you are burning and your lips are burning and there's these big buckets of cold water these big buckets and they're constantly the water is constantly running everywhere and there's like four levels you just sit and just quietly sit and you see because it's so hot you can't talk you're just like oh my god and then every like every couple (laughs) of seconds benefit yeah i don't know you get up and you take a gigantic bucket of cold water and you dump it on your head and then you sit back down. And every couple of seconds, an individual does this. And you're in this room with like 20 people on these different levels, just sitting quietly, just baking. And you do it for hours. And then you feel great. And that's, it's the Russian Turkish bathhouse. It's in the Lower East Side. It's on like East. Is it gender East. divided? It's co-ed. They have male hours. If you want to go all male, all female hours for all female. So people can otherwise, be like naked Otherwise, it's or whatever. totally mixed? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So everyone's wearing like bathing suits. Um, they, oh, you're not totally naked. They give you, people can be, I think you can't be, if it's co-ed, you can't be like bottomless, but women can be topless if they want to be. Hmm. Um, you know, and it's not just the hotties. You know, everybody <laughs> no, can I be. No, I know. I know. Everybody can be topless I or recently, bottomless I recently went to a spa in uh, LA where I was like shocked by, not shocked, I was, yeah, a lot of older women. Let it all hang. They were getting it. Yeah. Yeah. I think as you get older, you become more and more comfortable. It's funny. As you become fatter and hairier and you're more comfortable being naked. They were just like washing their pussies off with with hoses. They just like didn't. I'm sorry. Can I say that on here? (laughs) Sure. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. We're on a delay. No, we're not. I'll believe people that always out. on my podcast are like can i say that after they swear and we're like yeah yeah say more of it <laughs> um yeah a, you wanna... i feel like people are very less you're less shameful of your body the more disgusting it gets i feel like when you're when you're like better looking but you're young you're like because you're more you're self-conscious much more self-conscious because your then standards the older, are higher probably and then the older that you get probably the grosser you get the more you're just like i don't care I'm, I'm not going through the effort of being Truly, worried about this. None of it matters. Do you none know what I matters. think of on the regular is uh, Harris Whittles. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Very funny comedy writer who unfortunately died of an overdose a couple years ago. Um, but he like wrote on Parks and Rec and a bunch of other shows. He wrote on Sarah Silverman's show like when back in the day. Like he got his start early. Anyway. He's hilarious, and he was so funny on Twitter. And he tweeted, I'm going to butcher this, but to it, it's basically to this effect. Uh, do you ever think someone hates you, and then they like something of yours on Instagram, and then you realize in 100 years we'll all be dead? <laughs> I think of that. I remind myself of that like on a almost daily basis. Yeah, none of it's going to matter. None of it matters. No. Anytime I like, I'm like, oh my god, did I just totally shit the bed on that? And, and then I'm like, dude, these people aren't even gonna be around to no. remember it. <laughs> Won't matter. So sad, morbid. Yeah. So there's that. You know, we're all gonna die. So what are we doing here anyway? Anyway, it's a good way to pass the time. Also, we're sponsored by Swill. Go to getswill.com. <laughs>
And so get fresh. What's it called? Get drunk. Yeah. Uh, no, HelloFresh. HelloFresh. It's like a meal delivery service. People hate to cook for themselves these days. Everybody likes to get things delivered. You know, like those, all those meal kits with all the packaging. I, I like going to the grocery store and just buying stuff and making whatever I can. I cook a lot. I don't cook at all. I feel like that's you don't an cook interesting with the boyfriend? gender reversal. It's a nice he cooks. Thing. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. I, Give him a job. I actually find very few, like, quote-unquote modern women that cook in the same way that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there are way more men. I love, I've, I was brought up, prop, my dad cooked. Oh, cool. My mom was horrible at cooking. She tried. She was terrible. But she was more of a Swanson TV dinner person. But in her generation, that was super rare, right? Yeah, probably. She was. She made like three things, and that was it. And then it was Swanson TV dinner, and my dad cooked. So, and then I I learned to cook out of necessity, because my mom didn't cook, so I would cook. Uh, but I learned, and I love cooking now. I cook cool. when I go home to visit them. I cook. It it's seems fun. cathartic if you're into that. I think I have too many like food issues to really. What get are your into food it. issues? You allergic to stuff? Or no, you just hate stuff. Just uh. I just feel like if you are a woman that grows up in our society, I feel like it's getting better. Uh, but, you know, our culture is like pretty weight sensitive. Oh, you mean food issues like uh, like body image? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that like makes for a complicated relationship that a lot of women have with food. Yeah. Some more than others. I definitely, uh, I mean, my mom was like hospitalized for anorexia. And not when I was uh, before me, like mm. when she was growing up. Um, and they say part of it is like hereditary because it's really like a control issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> Truly. Uh, I'm working on one. <laughs> well, what do you like to eat if you if you could eat whatever you liked? Oh, I eat like... a dumpster like i eat like stuff from 7-eleven or like i love i almost every morning i i didn't this morning because i'm like out of my natural habitat but almost every morning i eat uh golden double stuff oreos that's terrible like a pack i know it's it's all trans fats coordinate (laughs) i know (laughs) i'm not a big junk food i stopped eating the junk food i ate a lot of junk food growing up and uh i i felt like i was a fat kid um were you yeah i was always kind of pudgy i was always pudgy like i felt like i had a dad bod when i was like 12 that's hilarious and i never stopped you know like all of a sudden (laughs) i woke up i went through i don't know like a summer of body changes and i went from being just like a rail thin kid to be having like this weird kind of just like spare tire and I always had it. And I, I was never, you know, I played sports, but I wasn't like good at sports and I wasn't really athletic. So I wasn't like working it off, I guess. But I, I never was in good shape. It was never, it was like a genetic thing. I was never, there's some people that were always ripped and Do they don't work even out? work out. I would have to work out so much to get any sort of definition, like insane amounts. I've been a person that would go to the gym every day because I was, I'd become obsessed with it. Like, mm-hmm. why don't I look like these people? Why can't I look like these people? And I would be on a crazy diet, and I would be on a crazy regimen, and it really didn't matter. And I would I would kick oh, my ass, and it didn't 
it didn't matter. Like, I would have to go do something insane. Like, I have to do, like, the P90X type insanity. Also, what the fuck are you training for? And like, who it's cares? fine. It's fine. I, as you get older, you're like, none of this matters. Just don't be, you know, morbidly obese, I guess. Make it so you're happy well, with... if you're happy be like happy that... Be your clothes fitting. That, that's my main thing, is I get sad when my the clothes that I have feel tight then I feel bad because I'm like, hey, I don't want to have to go buy new pants. I hate buying new pants because then mm. it's like you've lost. Like if I have to go buy new pants because I went from like a 34 to a 36, that is the the, the biggest amount of mental defeat is yeah. to have to go and buy the exact same pants one size bigger because you just can't lose that, you know, to it. So then I'll go and try to lose. I'll try to lose the weight and I'll go on like South Beach and I'll, I'll go down to no carve and I'll be all crazy about it. And that works. And then you, and then you end up breaking it. But I've been good for the past uh, year. I've I've been yeah, like gluten free ish. I did the gluten free ish. Uh, I don't think I'm allergic to gluten, but I definitely found when I cut it out, I lost weight and I sleep so much better. Oh, interesting. So I, I'm less cloudy. I'm more sharp. Mm. So I mean, I think there's variations on that, but works for me. And it's just it's nice to have boundaries. If you give yourself little boundaries and rules to kind of work in. Yeah, nice. so so part of, like, you know, I had a super complicated relationship with food and, like, was kind of, like, a binge eater and I, whatever. Uh, once I sort of, like, tackled my stuff mm-hmm. in early adulthood, then I just have been like on a regimented it's not super regimented like i said i eat golden double stuff oreos every day but like you know i work out a certain amount i eat the same amount of food every day Mm -hmm. and i so therefore i like my body doesn't really change size and you're pretty tiny person you can't i mean like i mean i could probably i could i I can gain a lot of weight and still be like okay because i'm about six foot so i can like hide it but, I mean, smaller people, if they gain, like, anything, it changes their entire body. Yeah. Because they're only, like, you know, people who are, like, 5'2", 5 feet. Like, you can't – it's hard. It's hard to eat. Eating's a pain. Oh, eating. Society. Um, but you do a lot of physical stuff. What was your thing? Was it Pilates? Not Pilates. Oh, my God. What was your thing that you did every day that was incredibly hard? And I was so impressed that you oh, did Oh, when I did day. my ab challenge? Yeah. Yeah, so my normal workout routine is like i do loads of dog walks mm-hmm. so like and i usually like i you know want to get at least ten thousand steps a day mm-hmm. that's good and then uh if you're in new york city you'll get like twenty five thousand. not even trying sometimes yeah like yesterday was i it wasn't like i was like trying to walk and i got 11 which in la it's like i have to walk my dog yeah. to do that you know here no problem yeah um one of the benefits of new york uh but it's freezing so yeah this is not the best time uh and then i do bar i do like yeah pilates bar bar. basically um so there are loads of options in la i also like barry's boot camp but that's more of like a treat it's super expensive um yeah i love it's basically a lot of like using your own body weight Mm -hmm. uh and that's based on like a ballet bar what is that it's like a ballet bar and like pilates combo yeah so it's like core strengthening mm-hmm. that kind of stuff you do a lot of planks and stuff yeah that makes you strong the planks are very hard oh totally and when i do it like a lot a lot i actually do like my abs are pretty tight not right now 
Anyway. I have great abs. I keep them protected under this nice, <laughs> this, like, this nice layer of foam. This pillow. Yes, it's very nice. I keep them protected. They're insulated. I want to protect my abs. They're shock, they're shock resistant. <laughs> um, do you want to hear my embarrassing stories? I do. Okay. Uh, well, off the top of my head, I did not prepare for this, but I did know that I, I was like, I've got to tell some embarrassing stories and... That was the extent of it. That sounds um, great. So I peed my pants in fourth grade. Okay, we're off to a good start. <laughs> Does that, yeah, uh, in class. Um, fortunately, my mom worked at the school, so she... Are we starting with stories from fourth grade up until like yesterday? Because we're, we're going to be on for a while, I think. Yeah, let's hop around. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be able to pull out. I peed um, my pants in fourth grade. <laughs> was it in class? It was It was the kind of, you know, when you do stuff when you're younger, you think like, oh my God, this is going to haunt me yeah. forever. And it's like, now that's like, who cares? But When you look back on something that was incredibly haunting like that in fourth grade, you think, God, so many worse things have happened to me since then. Yeah. <laughs> and then you right? get kind of sad. <laughs> I mean, I haven't peed my pants in a public place like that. That's good. Since then, but um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant, and I think the other kids knew what was going on. Um, I what else did I do? Oh, I just had one. I I'm like a terrible klutz, so I almost inevitably, if I like had a crush on someone or whatever, I would fall down the bleachers in front of them nice. or trip or. Uh, I definitely did that in front of Shane Titterington, this guy that I had an enormous crush on for most of middle school. Oh, I'm running out of stories. Already? Jog my memory, Marty. Tell me about my childhood. Um, what kind of childhood did you have? Were you like, uh, did you play sports? Were you a cheerleader? I wasn't good at sports. Oh my God. (laughs) I was so bad. And my parents are incredibly athletic. My dad, like, coaches all kinds of sports. He coached basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, like, a, an incredible golf golfer. Both my parents run marathons. My mom coaches wow. cross country. They're, like, very, right? Yeah. That's, like, a whole thing in our family. I'm not athletic at all. Um, and my brothers are extremely athletic. And I think... Uh, I think it would have been a bigger issue if I would have been a boy. My dad would have been like, okay, but you need to like find this somewhere inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he was only mildly disappointed with me. But this was like mortifying for him is that in sixth grade, seventh grade, I think it was seventh grade, um, I made a basket for the other team. Oh, that's very I terrible and embarrassing. It was, it was at the time. He made me apologize to my coach. like but honestly i thought people were like they were like no 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 and i thought they were saying go 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 sad wow that's bad that's not like accidentally kicking in the opponent's goalie that's like making a shot i made it yeah yeah they had to be like it's kind of over and back i don't know if it can count yeah that doesn't count (laughs) so yeah not athletic at all what was your team name? Uh, I think at that point we were the Huskies. Nice. So, yeah, we consolidated schools. Mm-hmm. We were the Jackson Blue Jays, and then we were the Jackson County Central 
Huskies. I played everything. I had to play everything growing up. We, our, our little league area thing was called Green Hornets. We had to play. I had to play green. I had to play year-round sports because you know that's what you make your kids do because it occupies. Wait, them. where are you from? Maryland. Maryland. Okay. Outside Annapolis, and so I played like basketball and soccer, and I just swim and I played baseball, and I was bad at absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. I was horrible. Me too. Yeah. And I kind of relished in the fact. I was bad at sports, but I kept on having to play sports. So it was always, it was like very hilarious how bad I was. Um, but in like soccer, I was like a fullback and I would just hang out by the goalie. And I was like, I, I got in trouble. My dad yelled at me because I was, uh, I was like picking flowers. So it was like me and the other kid, kids were not playing and we weren't paying attention uh, because our team was really good. So the ball wasn't coming to us. So we didn't have to do anything. So I just like hung out. I hung back. Um, Except some clutch moment. Yeah, that... something happened and I completely fucked up everything. Like, I completely wasn't paying attention. But then there was always, like, a clutch moment. I remember in basketball, like, I made the winning basket. Oh. I did, I did like, one good thing. You redeemed it. You were, like, a little kind I of rede- a Rudy. Yeah. I did one good thing. And then by, when I did that one, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, I don't have to do anything else for my career of playing sports because I did that one good thing. I got, like, the game ball of baseball. Like, I hit one really good thing that, you know, won the game. I had like one winning moment in each sport, so I was happy enough, oh, that's but I good. never consistently did anything right. I, I, I was bad at everything. I didn't have any winning moments, but um, something that's interesting in retrospect is maybe my favorite part of the sports that I played was like I would mess around in practice and like just be like dying and cracking up my teammates to like the point of distraction. That, so, so what a comedian you were. I know. Yeah. Early days. Early days. And should now you're just quit. full sort. Yeah, you could have started stand up <laughs> when you were like 12. I know. <laughs> oh. There's still time. I hope so. There's still time. Yeah. So the Reality Bites podcast is going strong. People can listen to it on iTunes. Yeah, we're all wherever you get your Spotify. Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher. Stitcher, Pandora's doing them now. Are they? They just did. You got you got to get on there. What? How do they do it? No Pandora? idea. Similar to how Spotify is doing it, they're just doing the same thing. Where it's like a playlist, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't just. It's like okay, and then after this hour long, you get a random other hour long podcast. Exactly. Like, doesn't really work the same way. And where can people follow you? Is it Reality Bites with a Y? We at? are Reality Bites Pod with a Y um, on all the social medias. I are we done? Um, I just wanted to get your your stuff out. Okay, it's so fast. Is it fast? I don't know. Maybe it's right. I don't I, know. I always feel like, uh, yeah, I'm inclined. It's like an hour. You're like, are we done already? I'm like, oh uh, my god, no, an hour is plenty long. Are you moving I always, in? <laughs> I always think I always think a half hour is like, as a listener, is like a great length of a podcast. But when you're doing it, it always feels like, oh man, we're cutting it short. If it's anything less than an hour and a half. <laughs> No, uh, you can find me on the internet at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K. Do it. Maybe you'll see a bikini picture before I retire. Are you going to delete all the Instagram ones? I I need to figure out. I think this is interesting that we're talking about this because it's like a it's like a a, a prep, precipice of your uh, adulthood where you you this is what you were doing and now you're looking back and you're like I I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to. 
Listen, go if, in this direction. If there were no consequence to like, I do. I love taking those pictures and posting them. Uh, yeah. I think then you should do it. You should do whatever you want to do. Don't do something because you're afraid no. of what someone's going to think of you. No, because sometimes be you. Have you. To, sometimes you have to step back and be like, okay, am I impeding my career? In if I ways? had abs, I would be shirtless right now. All the time. All I'd have a muscle shirt on. Marty, this would be like a Me Too situation. Ugh. See, that's I'd be walking around. <laughs> People would be like... I'd be flexing. It was the weirdest meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Follow me, guys. Follow her. I think the funniest thing I saw, because uh, you write things for Weekly Humorous, and you're very funny, and that's how we met... And um, it's delightful meeting you in person. It's so exciting to meet people in real life and, and get to see like what they're actually like, not just mm-hmm. their words. But, but the stuff you write is so funny. And oh, you. Um, you wrote some really funny and charged things. Um, when you first sent something uh, to me, it was, uh, it was like a sexual assault. It was Valentine's for a bunch of the Me Too guys. So it was like Valentine's, I think, for like Bill Cosby. The sexual predators. Yeah, sexual predator Valentine's. And that was really funny. And then you sent like a real like rage satire uh, thing that was really really well received um, during the Kavanaugh hearings. Oh yeah, and it was um, like this is why you know I uh, yeah I wanted to testify in front of I testified before Congress and all my sexual fantasies. It was supposed to be rape fantasies, but whatever. But you changed you didn't it. no you didn't tell me to change it. I didn't tell you to change no, no, it. No no no. Previous feedback told me to I make change no it. changes. <laughs> I'm like, really? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's so much effort. It's not because sure. I'm just lazy. No, but also I think it's like, yeah, that's a whole, that's like, if you're like going to be a developmental editor, that's like a whole other thing. You want to just get things that I think are ready. Yeah, right? I do. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe also because I'd previously published you, I might say, hey, can we cut this word? If I, if I, if it. Oh, for sure. If I thought that it was like gonna cause a problem, but also, but if you were like, oh, I don't, this piece is like sixty percent there, it's no, like you're not gonna. I think I would have left uh, "rape fantasy" in the title if I, if you sent it to me like that. I would have respected your creativity. I liked it, but I knew that uh, I knew that it would hit certain people in the wrong way. So yeah, yeah, it did very well. Thank you. And um, who was I talking? Like numbers to? wise. Oh, yeah. You mean it got shared a ton. Oh, good. Lots of people read it. Good. Everyone thought it was great. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) But then it was fun because then I think after that, I I think I I looked you up on the Instagram thing because you're big on the Instagram. And the funniest thing in the world was um, you posted something that I think was like, it it like boiled you down in like 30 seconds. And it was the video of you getting in trouble being someplace you weren't supposed to be. Oh my God, no, the video of me throwing confetti. Yeah. Okay, so. And it was so funny because you were like, hey, you know, the, the <laughs> caption was something like, hey, do you want to see an adult? An adult get scolded, you know, because she wasn't supposed to be somewhere. And you were you were doing kind of like a fun photo shoot with your in this little funny area and you were doing something and someone obviously is saying, you can't be there, get off of there. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and you're like immediately had Dude. to get down. And it was so funny. Dude, so, uh, yeah, I said, want to see a grown woman get in trouble? So there was this, I don't know if they do this in New York, but in L.A., there are uh, these, like, pop-up events where it'll just be, like, for people to go take Instagram pictures. I did not know that. My dear sweet boyfriend was like, I know what Courtney will want. (laughs) 
which is not what I wanted, but it's okay. Yeah. We had fun. Um, and uh, so we went to this place called The Happy Place, and they had like a ball pit and mm-hmm. like confetti and a bunch of other shit you could take pictures of yourself doing. Um, but apparently I was doing confetti in the wrong area. And I do think that that video is hilarious. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I know. I immediately apologize. <laughs> like, just no rebellion about it. Everybody goes back to being like seven years old. I do like, look <gasps> like a child. I'm sorry. I know. It's like, fuck them. It's like, that's the whole place is that yeah. you're supposed to have fun and throw confetti. You're doing it in the wrong spot, though. Sorry, you have to do it over there. You have to have your fun, wild imagination over there, not there. <laughs> okay, sorry. But that was very funny. No, thank yeah. you. No problem. Um, oh, yeah. So, so check out my Instagram. Check out her Instagram before she takes all of it down. Um, or until um, she gets sponsored by a bikini place. And then it's all going back up. Oh, my God. That would be a dream. Also, would that be? Yeah. I also would really love to pose for Playboy. Uh, I don't know if I can fit it in. It does Playboy even exist anymore yeah. in that in that in that realm though? Like, didn't they stop publishing like uh, pictorials? And uh, then they, they s- said that they were going to not do like fully nude pictorials, which is totally fine with me. Yeah. Um, but I think that they rescinded that because no one wanted to buy their magazine anymore. I don't think that's the only reason people buy their magazines. Oh, people, it's I mean... It's for the writing. It's absolutely for the articles <laughs> and the cartoons. <laughs> a lot of my cartoonists do cartoons for Playboy, and they have written stuff, and people appreciate it. Listen, I follow Playboy's Instagram because, like, I also appreciate a hot lady, and I'm, like, pretty straight. Yeah. But, you hot, know... Hot uh, hot naked ladies are... I, I can't believe if they go out of style, that'd be ridiculous. Yeah. And Playboy's like, yeah, this isn't selling magazines anymore. It's like, really? Oh, That's God. so sad. It's so sad. Uh, and uh, One of my uh, writers was a Playboy model. Oh, really? Yeah, Juliet Forte. I'll, I'll send you her email. You can ask her questions. She oh, was, uh, oh, my God. I would love to. She was, um, what year? Not that long ago. But she just, uh, she just had a kid. She lives in Seattle. How Very old nice. was she when she posed? I want to say she, she got found when she it was like... Uh, sexy co-ed type oh yeah and then See, she like, did it for like two or three years after that i'm like on the i'm i'm probably too old i'm aging out of the playboy so i need to do it soon you would have to maybe you could be in like a like a comedy if you, issue if you say a, hot a, girls of comedy and you, you could be like you know, oh comedy god. writer oh my god courtney so we did we're gonna release the video soon but we did a, a tour of doc johnson dildo factory okay we got our did you see this on my instagram i did not we got our vaginas molded i mean and and dave got his penis molded is dave the boyfriend no dave oh dave's the co-host yeah he's like a buddy of ours but uh so dave has a has a has a has a cast of dave that you guys all got to see we have to go pick them up because they do it's like plaster first and then they fill in and then you get the actual mold see now we're getting somewhere courtney this show is not over (laughs) no but sophia was saying she was like dude we we should be like the first comedian pocket pussies <laughs> well that's what the uh, the sex toy company up the sex me. toy company upstairs their satisfier the 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 one for the female is a vibrator and the one for the men is a pocket pussy oh of course yeah 
I did not know that. Dave had never used a sex toy before. They brought us like this bounty of product. Yeah. And then he went home and started using a stroker, which is essentially like a bigger pocket pussy. Okay. Uh, a stroker? You know? I don't know. No. Oh, yeah. I'm not like, educated. It's like, it's like a jerk off tool. And it was so funny. Huh. He was like, I'm never, you know, whatever. But why do you need to use a jerk off tool? I don't know. He like fell hand. in love with it. He really? was like, I've had sex with the stroker like 40 times in four days. <laughs> That's the problem. When we when they start having like sex robots, people just, you'll never see them again. Yeah. No one will leave their house. Why would I leave my house? I have a sex robot. If you ask my clit, the robots have already won. Oh. It's a good way to end, huh? I guess. Oh, this is over? So are you going to have a customized thing made? No. Well, that's expensive. We're working on them. So they, we have they, a whole relationship with these people. So they, did a, <laughs> so they did a plaster cast of you. It's like three steps, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's like they do the mold, which is like plaster. However yeah. they do it well, like when you're getting like. Did they put like the Vaseline so it doesn't stick to you? Well, because I've done a plastic Sof- mold of like my face. They've done that before. I've gotten that, you know. In, Sophia in and I were class. fully waxed. Yeah, we were ready for it, so they didn't need to vaseline us. Okay, but they did vaseline Dave. Okay, because he wasn't right. prepared. Well, you don't want anything sticking to you. No, in that way. No. Interesting. So okay, so that they they do the first thing is the, like the plaster or whatever. Then they do the mold. Maybe I'm saying maybe the plaster is the mold. Anyway, well, they do the plaster, and then the inverse of that is the is what they pour something into. And then something, they, and then they make basically a U copy, like a statue of your yes. stuff. And then they make it's, and then they make a rubberized version of that. Yeah. So first, and they make the mold from the plaster, and then they pour, let's say, silicone or rubber or something into that mold that makes a U that's a fake U. So we are we are getting what is the second step, which right. is just like the statue of our. Okay. Genitals. Interesting. I can't wait. It's going to be interesting. I'm I'm going to have to listen to this. This is all going to be on the podcast? Uh, we actually shot it uh, video. Wow. And honestly, like, dude, it's so cool. Like, we love these people anyway. The Bravermans are the family that runs Doc Johnson's. Um, and they're incredibly cool. And, uh, yeah, like, they're, they have an artist that they found at an art show who her name's like Anjane, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and she's this amazing Colombian woman who like was explaining her artistic inspiration for like sex toys. It's so interesting. She'll yeah. be like this, you know, tube of uh, Christmas balls inspired me to make you know this yeah. like dildo it's like whoa she's like a legit artist and she like going into her little like den was so cool yeah. so we in- we did a little interview with her we shot some of the molding of interesting our genitals we interviewed the <laughs> bravermans yeah where can people see this uh it's gonna be on our youtube channel in like a couple weeks what's the youtube channel reality it bites reality bites with a y Reality Bites of the Wine. And we already have episodes up on the podcast of us interviewing the Bravermans and Dave telling his horror story about getting his penis molded. That's terrifying. I would I would think to get your penis molded. Oh, my God. Yeah, for us, it was like no pre- – like we didn't have to perform, right? Yeah. It was just like 
Yeah, my vagina's cute. Like, slap oh, the stuff yeah. on. Oh, yeah. He has to be, like, totally he erect. He has to be hard and stay hard. And oh. it's like a clinical environment. How long did he have to be at attention <laughs> well, for? Well, I mean, there's some discrepancy in reporting here, but he says... Because you want to be at attention for as long as possible because you probably, want your mold to be as big flattering. As yeah. yeah. Sophia suggested that they use cock rings in the future, and I think that's a great idea. Yeah. But huh. they had not been using those. And so what was he doing? Dave Just having had good a thoughts? horror story. Yeah, he was like talking, to, but it was like he was not in the right mental headspace to be doing this. No. He was like having a conversation with us before he was going in, and I was like, Dave, do you need to like get sexy thoughts in your head? Like, yeah. And he was like, no, I got this. And then he went into the bathroom and he like, <laughs> he like masturbated for like two minutes to some like girl that he knew that he'd hooked up with picture and then just came out with like a ra- <laughs> his, he was like raging for a second and then, but it's like cold yeah, and it's like two people, Douglas and Diana were there who are like, you know, she's like his mom's age and like Douglas is like this very sweet dude. So like then, and then, and the plast and it's cold. Like it's that. so yeah. cold. Even uh. for me, I was like, <laughs> he had to do it twice. Not to ruin the story. Oh, that's and sad. he was really unsatisfied with his ultimate product, but I think he got a great stand up bit out of it. That would be really depressing to have like a, a really flaccid I sex know. toy made of your Well, stuff. it sounds like they get like porn actors, like professionals come in and won't yeah. be able to perform all the time. Because oh. it's like a totally different thing. I mean, yeah. it's not even like you know, there's like nothing sexy about. There's like dildo wallpaper yeah. or like penis wallpaper, but like there's not. It's not like a sexy environment where they do these molds. And yeah, it's like people being like they should do, they should relocate it to like a strip club. You know, make a real clinical environment over by the champagne room, or you know, kind of like, just have throw some, dollars on her while have we put some this super profe- cold. Have some <laughs> professionals around. I mean, that could work. They should. They, they could do some partnership marketing there. They could. You know? You should pitch them. They could be at the body shop on Sunset. What's the body shop? It's an old school strip club on Sunset Boulevard. Oh. And it says girls, girls, girls on the side. And oh, it's, I know it's that. the inspiration yeah, yeah, for yeah. that song, Girls, Girls, Girls. Oh, girls, interesting. Girls, have you been girls. to Jumbo's Clown Room? I've heard about Jumbo's Clown Room. I have not been there. Yeah, it's like a nice strip club. Well, that's good. They have Bikini, a nice afternoon bikini bar. Afternoon buffet. <laughs> no it's not like that at all uh-huh. it's like cool it's like you'll see somebody like strip to the beatles or something and it's okay. like kind of like cool punk chicks i know a couple of the girls they're rad well that sounds nice that's my second my fifth career jump jump jumbo's clown room yeah our new sponsor is jumbo's clown room <laughs> go for the noon buffet the shrimp is fantastic <laughs> well, this has been fun this is great courtney kosak nailed it at courtney kosak on twitter and instagram and her nickname is coco on twitter that's what your name says that's yeah that's what i like to call myself is that your nickname uh sophia calls me coco all the time i feel i feel like coco's like leans into like the dumber more superficial parts of my personality which i think are funny good embrace it yeah we're all gonna be dead soon exactly just do what you want people worrying about if you look good in the bikini wear a bikini god i'd wear a bikini every day yeah yeah i'm gonna go do some bar right now no i'm not i do the elliptical machine that's what do i do you? it's low impact 
I have a bad back. <laughs> and you walk around New York. <laughs> yeah. I walk around. I walk a lot. I wear all birds so my back feels better. All birds? You don't know about all birds? Well, I could do a whole show on those. They're the most comfortable shoe ever. Oh, you should try to get them as a sponsor. I don't think, I mean, they don't need me. Everybody, I mean. I didn't know about all birds. Really? No. Oh, they're the most comfortable shoes. They're amazing and you can put them in the washer dryer. They're made out of eucalyptus and wool. Uh, I could go on and on about all birds, but I won't. Um, Thanks for listening. Our show is brought to you by Swill, the liquor store in your pocket. Go to GetSwill.com and use code FUNNY5 for $5 off your first order. Sign up for Weekly Humorous Weekly Email. Go to WeeklyHumorous.com. And I'm sorry you're going to miss our guaranteed delivery stand-up comedy show, Courtney, because it's January 9th. I'm going to have to come back and do it. We'd love to have you on. You could be on. Um, who do we have coming up? Uh, we have Tom Takar. Uh, he is, uh, he's on You Up on the Comedy Central's morning show oh, with cool. Nikki Glazier. Um, he's going to be on, and uh, we have a huge lineup. It's hosted by Kevin McCaffrey. Free tickets at weeklyhumorous.com slash guaranteed delivery. That's downstairs. This place is rad, you guys. Come check it out. That's right. Um, and then follow us at uh, Talkward Podcast. And uh, and subscribe and listen to all these these fun things. This has been great. This is awesome. I want to tell you something, Marty. What? You're doing a great fucking job. Thank you. Thank that's what, you. That's what is plaque well, on? I desk. have a plaque on. I have a desk <laughs> plaque that says you were doing a great fucking job. I love that. I try. I try. Well, this is Talkward. Uh, follow us. Uh, follow me at Marty Dunnix at Marty Dunnix, and uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Bye. Courtney. Cheers. Bye. Oh, and your show's Reality Bites with a Y. We didn't even say that. No, we totally did. Did we? (laughs) We'll learn about sex toys. Okay.